I'm Jo and welcome to this episode of Shoutcast, your bite-sized guide to better comms. Today I'm delighted to have James Regal, a senior comms professional who's covered a range of global PR director roles over the years. So James, will you tell me a little bit about yourself? Hi Jo and thank you for having me on the show, it's a pleasure. It's lovely to have you. So about myself, well, well, I actually, um, I started my career agency side. Uh, I've worked about 15 years in PR and I started off working in consumer PR in London, where I'm from, Mm -hmm. working on all kinds of brands, anything from Liam Perrin's Worcestershire sauce. I can't even say it anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's been too long. I had to practice that one a lot when we worked on Worcestershire sauce, I can tell you. Um, (laughs) But anything from that to the the more glamorous world of uh, WWE wrestling, uh, which Mm -hmm. some of your listeners may even be fans of. So that was always interesting. Um, So I worked... I began at Frank PR and moved around a little bit, working in places like Edelman, Hill and Knowlton, Clarion. And then in 2013, I decided to make a bit of a change and move from London to Barcelona, where I'm talking to you from today. Uh, it's been my mm-hmm. home for seven years. And I was very, very lucky to find the perfect job for me actually here at, uh, at Vistaprint uh, yes. in their office here, uh, which at the time was, was a sort of European PR manager role. But after five years I uh, spent there, I eventually was, was running global PR. Um, and that was my first in-house role. Uh, it was very different, but I enjoyed it a lot. Great people there. Uh, and then after that, I moved on to IWG PLC, who yeah. are the, some of your listeners might be more familiar with the brands they operate. So they're a workspace company operating brands like Regis and Spaces. Uh, and a few others in the portfolio. And I moved there to be the global PR director, working yeah. across multiple brands, uh, plus the group's own corporate PR, uh, which I'm sure we'll go into a bit uh, in the rest of this podcast. And now actually I'm, I'm back agency side. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm working for, as I'm working as an associate director at 360 Communications, we're based in London. They are part of the Casbar group which also right. includes exposure and scene. Um, and I'm kind of combining all my experience now because it's we work on what we call corpse humor accounts. Um, okay. A little bit of con- little bit of consumer, a lot of corporate reputation work, but with a bit of a consumer feel sometimes it's quite it's quite mixed. Um, yeah, it's quite an interesting concept, corpse humor. Mm. Yeah, it's really good because, you know, I, I've always been someone from my background in, in the industry who's really enjoyed the creative side of PR. And it's nice to be able to work on something where on the face of it, you could there's a danger of being maybe a bit bland and, and, and very B2B. We're able to bring a little bit of lateral thinking to some of these uh, some of these briefs. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just I'm really enjoying working there. It's a fantastic team there. Um, so uh, yeah, so enjoying enjoying being back on the the other side of the fence. On the other side, yes, the dark side. No, <laughs> not the dark side. <laughs> um, and of course, uh, when we met um, was when you were working at IWG. And um, I think one thing that might be quite interesting for listeners um, is just how global your your role was at IWG. I mean, there were a huge amount of countries that you were covering. I don't know if you remember how many, I think it was 90 something. 
Oh, it was more than that, Joe. You, you said it was more. Yeah, really... sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, IWG at the time I was there was operating in about 120 countries wow. in some way, shape, or form. Now, obviously, we weren't doing active PR and all of those, but I think at sure. peak, it was about 40 markets mm. I was responsible mm. for, yeah. which is quite a lot. Um, and Huge. they were spread across every continent. Yeah, Every, that you know, is for Asia, Africa, Latin America, the States, and of course most of Europe as well. Yeah, that that is really really impressive, and I think uh, there's not many uh, roles that have quite that breadth. It's sort of like the world really was your oyster, um, and I guess there were also you know the challenges of dealing with teams and agencies um, across so many different um, continents, like you were saying, not just countries but different continents um were there any specific um challenges that you would say you faced or anything that um that kind of stands out about that experience there, there were a lot of challenges every day <laughs> every day was challenging in a role like that and just to add a bit of context as well so we a lot of a lot of businesses you know they have a global director but you'll have sort of regional pr managers or even regional yeah. pr directors uh, we didn't we were a very small team it was basically mm. myself responsible for the whole world and mm. uh, my colleague who was directly reporting to me managing also the whole world with me yeah. uh, but just <laughs> doing slightly different tasks mm. um, so but what we did have was was a, a global hub PR agency based in London to help mm -hmm. us manage the various agencies around the world and we had essentially the, the local marketing managers acting as the local clients for those agencies. And whilst nice. they didn't report directly to me because they had other responsibilities, I was responsible for managing them to mm -hmm. uh, achieve their, their PR goals. So that was the sort of the structure we had. Um, yeah. So yeah, so, so very challenging because, you know, they were all brilliant people. They were all hardworking people, but not all of them were PR people. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a fair amount of kind of coaching and, and helping them to understand what good PR looks like and also trying to learn from them, you know, what works mm. in their markets. Because I, I didn't know, you know, what what works in Switzerland or Brazil or, you know, Japan when I came yeah. into that role. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of kind of a lot of learning from them, a lot of them trying to learn from us as well. Yeah, that can be quite a difficult balance, can't it? You know, understanding where your comms experience is what should be followed, um, as opposed to, you know, where the local experience actually is more valuable. Yeah, definitely. There's all kinds of different nuances in all those countries. And I think what, what I realised very quickly I had to do is to try and take as broad a view as possible Right. in how I was managing it so not trying to get too into the weeds on mm -hmm. specific local activations but when it came to sort of essentially creating toolkits for them to go away that were flexible enough for them to adapt for those markets. Mm. So the, the kind of model that you were describing of working with uh, with the different countries was a sort of hub and spoke model, I think. Um, I don't know if that would be a fair description of the way that the agencies and the sort of mother agency kind of operated. Would that be a fair way of describing it or was it more tied up than that? 
No, that's that's exactly the way to describe it. Uh, it was hub and spoke. So we worked with a global hub agency um, and it was their responsibility to manage the agencies in terms of making sure they had all the assets that they needed, all the toolkits that they understood, you know, that they they were managing the sort of the central database of, of where we would keep all the, the various um, assets and, and whatnot. Um, but there's almost two hubs and spokes going on at the same time, because then mm -hmm. also me and my team internally were the hub for the spokes of the local marketing managers. Um, like, I, like I said earlier, so they were, they were managing their agencies from the point of view that they were the client in those markets. Mm -hmm. So we had to have uh, regular calls every week with all those marketing managers, um, obviously split the same meeting, but split over two time zones. So we do two Gosh. in the same day uh, mm -hmm. to make sure we got to everyone. Um, and that was more about making sure they understood what the expectations were from group uh, across the, the work they were doing, letting them know what was coming up in the coming months in terms of content that was going to be coming through um, yeah. and hearing their thoughts on how they might be able to use it or what they might need. And, and really also getting them to share with each other it's a bit of best practice I always found mm. was, was something that when I came in wasn't necessarily something they were doing but it was a really great way of getting them to think about a bit more you know what mm. what worked for them and how it might work for the rest of them and, and yeah them think about it so um, things like I pitched it like this and it worked why don't you try it sort of thing exactly exactly yeah. and even though that some of their media landscapes would be very different you know, just some of the ways they activated those toolkits, um, mm -hmm. they were able to pick up a bit of some tips from each other. And it was just a nice way of getting them to, to share good work they've done as well for the rest of the group. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was that was the model. And it's probably as good a model we could have had. Uh, I yeah. know other companies use slightly different methods or they might have, like we said, a regional PR person that will handle mm -hmm. a group of agencies. But just the way we were, it was everything was coming essentially through us. And um, the other thing I was thinking about, you know, with this qu quite complex model, though, you know, it sounds like you had it very well ironed out, but um, results, you know, if you've got lots of different agencies, monitoring results um, and consistency of results must have been really hard. Yeah, but P measurement in PR in general is, is still this golden chalice that no one seems yeah. to have quite cracked and you know, people are doing it in different ways, but you're absolutely right. And particularly if you're working for a business which keeps a very, very keen eye on its budgets and its investments and wants to see returns mm -hmm. on those investments. And one of the, the the biggest challenges I had to face with coming in was actually looking at the way things were being reported at the time. There were mm -hmm. some pretty astronomical reach figures and 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 coverage volume figures coming through because we were using this this particular tool. Once you looked at it, you realized that quite a large percentage of that wasn't on the basis of any proactive work being done. It was just times, you know, it's a huge company. It's being mentioned a lot. Um, and, you know, that's we obviously want to track all mentions, but we also want to know, you know, what our money is is giving us. Um, mm. And on the face of you go, oh, wow, you know, 350 pieces of coverage this month. That's good. But actually, mm. you know, maybe it's Ten of them were actually what I would consider as coverage based off work that was being done. So yeah. having to go to senior management and and having them say, well, hang on, you know, you've been here for X amount of time. 
why are the results you know dropping off 60 percent and it's like mm. well actually you know, we're measuring it differently now because we're trying to get a hold on you know what we're actually doing uh, yeah PR, not just how we're being talked about and you know I think they they appreciated that and and you know we worked out a new system of measurement so I just think you know you need you need to be honest with yourself it, it can be quite easy to sit behind these big numbers but mm. actually at the end of the day if you're trying to justify budgets and maybe even increase your budget for PR all the agencies need to be honest and you need to be honest with what are you really delivering proactively for the for the business you know that is that's that's a really good point actually um so things like you know mentions of you know lists that have just been put together aren't really the fruit of the efforts of your not just of your agency but of your messaging um strategy exactly and look i'm not i'm not rubbishing that because there are no. depending on the brand you know if you start picking up organic mentions and more organic yeah. mentions it means that your proactive work generally is working exactly uh, or, or, or there's been a massive crisis which we'll come to later i'm sure but generally <laughs> speaking you know it's because it's working so we would still track or we, we basically split between proactive and organic mentions and it gets fiddly you need the right tool we experimented with a few um and you need agencies that are, are willing to to work with you on those tools yeah certainly it's, measurement has always been a big uh, headache of mine mm. Uh, mm. i try i try and hold everything i do accountable to the outcomes that it's actually providing and not just these kind of vanity figures yeah. of reach and volume which don't often tell you the whole story just one last question james i mean i think this is really really useful uh for for anyone that's already managing sort of international pr and comms or that is about to um or that is growing um because it gives a kind of long view as to you know what they're going to have to deal with um what um might be sort of thrown in their path um but my last question really is more concerning um re managing remote teams so this last year everybody has been managing or working in a remote team but because of the nature of what you were doing you already kind of were so have you got a particular you know like one single most useful takeaway that you picked up in managing all those different time zones and countries that you think is helping you out now yeah it's it's funny isn't it because um moving back to agency and everyone's talking about how they haven't met up for ages and, and how mm. challenging it is to do meetings on calls and I'm like well I've been, been doing that for the last few years yeah. and it doesn't actually apart from the fact that I'm sat at home and not in an office it didn't feel too different um mm. so it's interesting um look it's it's the hardest thing is when to business is about relationships right and mm -hmm. if you haven't met the person you're working with that can be really tough to kind of understand what makes them tick and they understand what makes you tick uh and there were certainly you know, times pre-pandemic where i think i maybe met some of those people i was working with once if i was lucky face to face and that really you know that really does change the dynamic i think if i was to have my time again in that kind of environment i would make more time to have just one-to-one -one calls with people that were just weren't about work that were just mm. you know in the same way that you might go out for lunch or um you know go for a coffee or whatever with a colleague if you wanted to get to know them a bit better 
you could just it's so easy just to get into this rhythm of just being on a video call talking about work maybe someone's looking at their phone or they're checking their emails as everyone does you know and it's it's a virtual world but it shouldn't really be any different to the real world where you might say hey let's just you know let's just grab 10 minutes to catch up or, or whatever i think that you know that that is something that i would recommend yeah um so really yeah really valid point and something that um yeah we've all we've all missed but i don't think um we've kind of understood quite quite why and quite what aspects you know it's not just having like you're saying you know such as the meeting in person it's all the uh, the dynamic changes that come out of that of, of actually meeting people and sitting across a table and eating biscuits with them or something during a meeting exactly and it, it, you know from a uk perspective it looks like those times are starting to return again it certainly looks like a lot of businesses are at least going to be going sort of part-time remote hybrid yeah. working which is interesting isn't it joe because we were talking about that years before the pandemic absolutely i feel like we're, we're the working. experts <laughs> <laughs> they should be you interviewing know, us <laughs> exactly it was already a trend wasn't it and, and we were doing it um yeah it's, it's 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 challenging not being around people but uh i think you just you know there's there's ways you can still engage your team in yeah. in this virtual world that that can still make them feel like you know part of a, a good team unit yeah um so thank you so much for giving me and listeners your time and your experience no, it was a pleasure anytime take good care thanks joe bye-bye